Welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, it's the first part of one of my favorite podcasts every year to do. It's NBA win total over-unders with Robbie Calland. Robbie, this is the first year on video. Yeah, I man. couldn't be happier. Here we are. I'm fired up. This is one of my favorites every year, man. I look forward to this. I I, I messaged you a couple weeks ago. I was like, when, 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 when's it happening, man? I know, I've I know had it's this, coming. I've had this on the calendar. Uh, so I like did a did a like you know calendar for the first time on the podcast. Look at you, all I, like, organized. I like kind of locked it in for this week. I was like, <laughs> look, we'll record this week. Maybe we'll release it this week. We're probably going to release it. This is coming out. Uh, first part's going to come out on I don't know Saturday in the morning uh, in the United States. Maybe Friday in the morning. I'm not sure. Uh, and then the second part will come out uh, probably Monday, I would venture, something like that. So we'll split it up a little bit. Uh, it's going to be one this week, one next week. But couldn't be more excited. It's one of the best podcasts that we do every single year on this show. Timberwolves fans yelled at us last year. They, Rockets they fans love yelled me. at us last year. They love year. me. The people yeah. love me. I always. I, had, I, get, I get more visceral reaction off of this than anything else I do all year. It's great. I love it. I had a good read on both of those, but it's worth recapping what our yeah. overall uh, success was. Our overall success last year, uh, we went four and four in our actual like things that we said mm-hmm. we would bet on. Uh, yeah. We had just looking through here, uh, we had the under for the Heat that went over. We had over for Milwaukee that went under. Uh, we had under for Orlando that went under. So yeah. we're sitting at one and two. We had over for Denver at 47 and a half. That went over, even though Michael Porter Jr. got hurt. That felt like a miracle. God, God uh, we, bless Jokic. <laughs> yeah. Two and two now. We had the over for the Lakers, which was the biggest abomination of a bet like, imaginable. Yeah. Um, we had under for New Orleans. New Orleans had a great finish to the year. They still ended up they did. almost four games under. They started like one and 12, which was like yeah. locked us in basically. Right. And then we had the under for Oklahoma City that lost by half a game. That's at three and four. But in our lock of locks, the, the thing that we recommended just putting multiple hammer down, hammer, uh, the Houston Rockets, 27 and a half wins. Uh, I asked you or you might ask me the question, what number mm-hmm. would this have to be at uh, for me to bet the over? I think I said 20 and a half. And you still would have gone under. Still would have <laughs> gone under. Rockets that fans, a, that was a terrible number. Hated us for that. that was but that was, it was just an obvious one to me. I thought, okay, there's not as Go many. Ahead, not as, there's not. There's not any that immediately jumped out to me like that one did last year on this year's yeah. list. There's not, not one that I was like, this is six, seven games too high. Agree. This year is harder, but before we get into over unders, I yep. do want to talk about the Robert Sarver thing, yep. and. Robert Sarver is going to be suspended for a year. He's going to be fined $10 million for many transgressions, I think is the best way to put it. Uh, I have a list here and we're going to read through it all because it's, I think, important for people to understand. And everything that I've taken here outside of like the quotes afterward that I'm going to read out from LeBron Mm -hmm. and Chris Paul and the Players Association and everything. um, All of these things are going to come directly from the report, not from media coverage of the report, this report where uh, I'm sorry, I want to get the, uh, I want to get the name of the, uh, the, the law firm that did this walk, Lipton, Rosen and cats. Uh, they did a report into 
these allegations of uh, just really poor behavior from Robert Sarver. And it's, it's pretty disgusting to be honest. Uh, There's, I, I don't know how you can read this report and think that Robert Sarver should be involved in the NBA moving forward uh, again. Just what was your immediate reaction when you read this? Yeah, I mean, well, the first thing was that Baxter Holmes nailed it. And so yeah. the first th- the first thing that came in, a lot of people, I know Malika Andrews highlighted on the NBA Today and a number of people highlighted on Twitter, is like when the Baxter Holmes piece came out, Sarver vehemently denied everything. Yeah, Like said, we're going to be exonerated basically when the truth comes out or something, you know, like he was very much like, this is false reporting. And then this report comes out and corroborates everything, you know, and there there are like a couple things in here where the report couldn't find corroboration while also not being able to like deny it. Say that, but right. It corroborated almost everything and found plenty uh, of what, it generally was talking about. And and so like the first thing that ran through my head was, you know, particularly after the Adam Silver press conference um, was clearly the owners are not happy with the precedent they sent with the Donald Sterling situation and getting him yeah. removed. And they don't want to do that. And we knew that Mark Cuban said at the time of the Sterling thing, he, it was a slippery slope. Like that quote is, from 2014 or whatever. And so that was the disappointing thing because $10 million to a guy whose net worth is 800 million or whatever Sarver's is, is a pretty small drop in the bucket. Uh, a year suspension. I don't even know what that means for an owner. Like, does he, not I don't get, even know how you, does like, he not get revenue or does it just mean he can't sit courtside and be at the office? Yeah. It's like, go take a year vacation is what it sounds I, I don't like. know how like, that practically even works because no. what, like if the, I was talking with a, a uh, person who works for a team, uh, you know, on the uh, in the front office side, right? So, like, it's been rumored, for instance, the Suns have some interest in Boyan Bogdanovich, right? right. Uh, the way that they would acquire Boyan Bogdanovich is by adding like three million dollars in salary to their budget, basically, which, given their luxury tax uh, situation, would add like six or seven million dollars, something like that, right. to Robert Sarver's pocketbook. So, like, what? Is this other owner just going to be like, hey, Bob, you're going to have to foot this bill for $10 million so we can go out and acquire a guy at the deadline? Like, yeah, is, I is that, I don't understand. Do we really think that, thing. like, Sarver's no communication involved in that decision? Like, the, uh, well, I, the I, I find thing. it extremely impractical in terms of enforcing that. Uh, maybe, maybe they'll find a way to do it, but I find it very impractical, which again is like a big part of why I have problems with this decision. Yeah. And I also, I think one thing that's interesting about the Sarver situation is he's not like, he's the majority owner, but I think it's like a 35% stake. Like it's not mm. a, like he doesn't have like 70% control of this team or something like that. Like, so, mm. uh, so I think Hyken had that in, in a thing he did today where his stake is, is smaller. Cause it, I mean, again, like his net worth is sub a billion dollars and that doesn't happen yeah. for a majority, majority owner. So, I do think I guess there's a unique situation there where maybe that's easier to enforce because there's more hands in the pot in Sun's ownership. Um, so they can kind of majority rule their way around it without him being there. But even so, like I, I just don't know how it impacts him. Like, do you does he not get any of the revenue from this year? Um, you know, 
obviously the Suns shouldn't be part of revenue sharing because they should go uh, over the tax, but they could always dodge it if they want to. They're not, you know, I, I don't think they, they can, but they're you know, pretty like, far. Over. It would require like moving Chris Paul for like okay. very little. That's what I, was, I was started to think. Yeah. But, but like, I just don't, I just don't know. I don't know what a year suspension means for an owner. I think it just sounds like a long time, I guess, to suspend somebody. So they did it. And I don't, think it means anything to anybody including robert sarver who's like okay i guess i can't be courtside for games yeah and and here's the deal so they uh the nba and commissioner adam silver have authorized sam garvin uh the team's alternate governor to be the sun's interim governor governor effective immediately uh zach lowe noted that garvin was among the members of the sun slash mercury ownership group who signed a November 2021 statement backing Robert Sarver in wake of Baxter Holmes's story. Uh, and look, all, all of this, by the way, we've mentioned WNBA like twice now. Robert Sarver also owns the Phoenix Mercury and the allegations in here, you know, particularly uh, with women are incredibly demeaning uh, yes. and disgusting. So I, I just want to read through this real quick. Okay. So everything that I'm about to say, comes directly from the report from Wachtell, Lipton, Rosen, and Katz. Wachtell, Lipton, Rosen, and Katz, this law firm, spoke to a large number of people. Uh, They spoke to over 100 individuals uh, who witnessed Sarver's statements or actions that violated applicable standards and noted that the conduct was consistent over that period that he has owned the team. So from uh, 20, 2004 to right now, that's an 18-year term. They spoke to over 100 people. This is not like, uh, this is not a he said, she said thing. This is a he, he said, said and they all said, said. He said, she said, he said, she said versus Robert Sarver here, yeah. basically. And, and look, like I'll note at the top, like there are people who defend Robert Sarver within this thing, but I find it hard to believe that it should overwhelm every single thing that is stated here. So here's what I pulled from this. The investigation finds that during his 18-year tenure as governor, Sarver is engaged in conduct that clearly violated common workplace standards as reflected in team and league rules and policies. This conduct included the use of racially insensitive language, unequal treatment of female employees, sex-related statements in conduct, and harsh treatment of employees that on occasion constituted bullying. Uh, Some of these transgressions, Sarver said the N-word at least five times in conversations that they were able to find, basically. Uh, Let's see here. Sarver used language and engaged in conduct demeaning of female employees. Among other examples, he told a pregnant employee that she would be unable to do her job upon becoming a mother, berated a female employee in front of others, and then commented that women cry too much arranged an all-female lunch so that female employees at Western Alliance Bank, where at the time he was CEO, could explain to female sons employees how to handle his demands. Uh, Sarver also frequently and er, Sarver also commented and made jokes frequently to employees in large and small settings about sex and sex-related anatomy, including making crude and otherwise inappropriate comments about the physical appearance and bodies of female employees and other women. Over 50 current or former employees reported that Sarver frequently engaged in demeaning and harsh treatment of employees, including by yelling and cursing in them. 
that on occasion constituted bullying under workplace standards. The investigation, however, finds the investigation makes no finding, I'm sorry, that Sarver's conduct was motivated by racial or gender-based animus. How do you... That's that's the part I don't get. I don't... How do you say racist and sexist stuff and it's not racial and... Within this report, the diversity discussion began when Sarver asked the coach what he thought needed changing about the organization. The coach responded diversity and Sarver erupted saying, and I quote, no, 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 I hate diversity. Like, what what are we... I I just... The investigation substantiated six other reports of Sarver making comments that witnesses reasonably perceived as demeaning toward female employees, six instances of sexually crude comments in the workplace. Uh, one time, Sarver once unnecessarily dropped his underwear and exposed his general genitals to a male employee who was on his knees in front of Sarver performing a fitness check that Sarver had requested and had undergone before. Past experience would have taught Sarver that dropping his underwear was unnecessary for this fitness check. Uh, Sarver commented to a pregnant employee uh, that she would return to her pre-pregnancy size after giving birth. Uh, Sarver commented to a female employee or commented on a female employee's breasts after she had a breast augmentation. The female employee passed Sarver in the hallway and Sarver addressed her saying, did you get an upgrade this summer? Like, Some witnesses reported what they viewed as racial and gender discrimination in hiring, firing, promotion, compensation, and distribution of assignments at the Suns. I have no idea how you can come to all of this information. It's about like 36 pages of information. Right. I have no idea how you can come to all of what's here and say that this investigation makes no finding that Sarver's conduct was motivated by racial or gender-based animus. Uh, it's it's dumbfounding to me, to be honest. There, there are thirty six pages here. Yeah, I mean, I and the, and the thing that that killed me from uh, Silver's press conference was he talked about how how servers evolved. Like he said, that's that's one of the big reasons that. Uh, and I was like, yeah, proof. And he, and then he he talked about how that was proprietary and there was confidentiality and like why he couldn't talk about specifics of how he's evolved or whatever. But I think it, I think the report said um, the first instance where he was told like, you can't say the N word was 2004 when he bought the team. There's like on record, like he, somebody told him like, you can't say that. And then he said it multiple times in 2017. That doesn't sound like an evolution to me. No. I mean, it doesn't sound like a person that has, grown or evolved or anything and so yeah like baxter holmes reported three months ago reported three months ago that a woman left the organization and i'm pulling this up as we talk uh let's see here Baxter reported three months ago about a woman resigning as an employee of the team after raising gender equity concerns and misconduct within the organization. And look, as far as I know, as far as I can tell from Baxter's reporting, those allegations did not directly implicate Robert Sarver, but it all comes from the top down. And that's the entire point of 
what this report is, it just demonstrates that the culture filters top down, in my opinion, uh, from this person. And I just, I've seen some people saying like, you know, Adam Silver's playing chess and trying to put all the info out in the open and trying to put pressure on him. I don't think like, look, maybe I I don't buy that argument, to be honest. I, I think that, uh, well, this this comes to like just, silver works like the the thing that people yeah. have to remember is silver works for the owners like he him like same with Roger Goodell same with that like the difference with silver is he tends to put on a happy face and it, you know he has right. a better relationship I think with the players than a lot of commissioners have in the past in other sports or do right. but when it all comes down to it like there's there's thirty guys that sign his checks yep you know and it's and it's the ownership and so when they tell him to go like. I, when he came out and everybody was like, oh, he, you know, like, I can't believe how poorly prepared he was and that sort of thing. It's because there's not good answers for why you did all this. There's not a good answer right. for why this is different than what Donald Sterling did. Unless you want to say Donald Sterling said it on tape. Unless you want to say that players were threatening to stop playing playoff games and we were going to lose money. And, and like, you know what? That here's, and that was it. Here's the that thing. was the difference. Here, here's the thing. I, I've seen some people say if this was on tape, it would have been curtains and Robert Sarver would have been done. Henry Abbott, like got it, got some stuff that Robert Sarver said on tape and released it last year. It wasn't nearly as inflammatory as some of the allegations within here, but it's very easy to imagine after seeing that video that it tracks with this report. And on top of that, the report talked to a hundred people. They talked to over a hundred former and current employees or like people associated here. Like what are, unfortunately it goes to the same thing that, that any of this happens is like, if, if it's on tape, like when the Sterling thing happened, they were running that tape on every sports center on every single sports show. And you couldn't escape it. Like it was because it was, it was so shocking and it was so forward and it was so blatant that it was a block everywhere. Right. Like it was and you just played it and you and it was out there. And so it was in everybody's face constantly. And then on top of that, the players were like, we might not play, you know, like they were seriously because the Clippers were considering like we're not going to play. Other teams were like, we might not play. And those are in the playoffs. So like the timing could not have been worse for the league to try and move around this in any way, shape or form. Yep. And so and on top of that. There were plenty, plenty of history of Don Sterling being a scumbag that was in, you know, you had plenty of news articles about discrimination and this sort of thing. And it was very easy to um, put a whole lot of pieces together. But it really was the fact that it was those two things. And so what is most interesting to me right now is that we're starting to see the players. And it started with LeBron. And then you have Chris Paul, who plays for the Suns and who was on that Clippers team. When the Sterling stuff was all happening, uh, I forgot so about that. That's he, right. he knows yeah. how the like he knows how this can impact the team. He knows all that, and it's going to come down to whether that pressure continues. Whether all that, I don't think Adam Silver's playing chess. I think he got sent out there to be a meat shield for the owners, and I bet they're thrilled. Like I bet they're yeah. thrilled that he went out and literally said that they play by different rules. He said that, and Mike Bass had to try to walk it back. They're, they're talking about Adam Silver now more than Robert Sarver. Yeah, they're mad that he came out and did that. 
And so like, and, and I don't think this is wrong, but like Ethan Strauss just wrote a whole thing on Adam Silver today and focused more on Silver than Robert Sarver in the allegations. And that's gross. I think first and foremost, the story here is Robert Sarver, right. um, you know, fostering an incredibly unhealthy and disgusting workplace. Right. But I, I just, I, you know, Chris Paul, like many others, I reviewed the report. I was and am horrified and disappointed by what I read. This conduct, especially toward women is unacceptable and must never be repeated. I am of the view that the sanctions fell short in truly addressing what we can all agree was atrocious behavior. My heart goes out to all of the people that were affected. LeBron James, uh, stated here read through the server stories a few times now i gotta be honest our league definitely got this wrong i don't need to explain why y'all read the stories and decide for yourselves i said it before and i'm gonna say it again there's no place in this league for that kind of behavior i love this league and deeply respect our leadership but this isn't right there's no place for misogyny sexism and racism in any workplace don't matter if you own the team or play for the team we hold our league up as an example of our values and this ain't it and that's the problem with what Adam Silver said to Howard. That was where he tripped it. That was where he tripped it. I want to say you alluded to it, Howard, that there are particular rights here of someone who owns an NBA team as opposed to somebody who is an employee. Yep. And look, if people remember from, uh, if I remember correctly, they didn't actually force Robert or uh, Donald Sterling to sell the team. They banned him from the NBA. I guess theoretically he could have continued to own the team. Sure. But then he chose to divest. I mean, like, like I, do something like that. Ban right. Robert Sarver for like 10 years sure. or like 20 years and say like, like are you really going to want to stay invested in this team if you don't have a say so? Like, right. yeah, that's that would make sense. And Silver said like he could have suspended him for longer. He said he had the power yes. to do that. And he said he chose one year because of the evolution or whatever. Like, I, it's 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 really it's really bizarre to me. Um, I feel like part of why he's not going to sell immediately unless there's further and further is like, I would bet that he'd sell once a new TV deal comes up. Uh, the, the, I'm wondering the, that. Yeah. Like the, the, the skeptic, the, you know, pessimist in me says, you know, when Sterling sold, he got what two point four billion for the Clippers or whatever it ended up being from from yeah. Ballmer. Like, and like I said, he doesn't have like a crazy high stake, but still, like, it's probably worth a billion or so now. Uh, for I, I'd for venture it's worth more than that. Yeah. Well, thirty five forty percent of the Suns is probably in the billion range, but even so, like, I feel like. And we know franchise valuations will jump again whenever they get a new TV deal. And that's coming up in 24, I believe. Um, so like the, the pessimism, he says they don't want to set another precedent and he'll hang on and fight to hang on until he can, he doesn't, you know, he's not going to sell low. Like as, cause that's how this works. Like that's the thing is like Sterling got kicked out of the NBA and got $2 billion for it. You know, like there's no, yeah. you can't just take it away. Yeah, but like these guys aren't gonna just—he's not gonna walk away. I mean, the, the and you know the one that gets forgotten is Bruce Levinson had the same thing happen right after Sterling when he complained in Atlanta that the team's fan base was too black, and he was trying to figure out how how can we get the white people in the suburbs to come to games. Like he was, 
And that happened along with the Danny Ferry stuff. And he voluntarily sold because he didn't want the same backlash. And I don't think he wanted an investigation into him. So he said, peace, I'm out of here. Because um, I covered the Hawks at that time. I I know. Um, so I, it's just, it's it's weird that it's a different time when theoretically we should have progressed further. Like it yeah. feels like we've taken a step back in terms of like the, how these people feel shame, I guess, um, towards this where they're not just like, I'm going to bow out. Like he's just going to hold on this team. He's going to come back unless it starts hitting the bottom line. Like we won't see it change, but I think we're starting to see the the people that can make that happen. And it, it sucks that it falls on the players to make this happen, but they're the ones who along with us to in the media to make sure that we talk about this when we talk about the Suns and talk about this when we talk about things, it's, it's the players are the ones that can be like, I'm not going to go to Phoenix. Yeah. You know, if, if guys are like, I'm not going to Phoenix, I'm not going to play for this team. I'm not going to play for this organization. Like that's, that's what could tip it. What could make his other, the rest of his ownership group want to be like, get out. Um, that's it. That's the only chance. For what it's hard, worth on the- only so many jobs in the NBA. You can't have that many guys who are going to like, at some point guys are going to take jobs. And yeah. I don't blame them. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, the Bruce Levinson situation, Bruce Levinson uh, stated in an email, uh, the Hawks released the text of the 2012 email in which Levin- Levinson speculated that the team's black fans had, quote, scared away the whites and that there were, quote, not enough affluent black fans to build a significant season ticket base. Uh Quote again, I think Southern whites simply were not comfortable being in an arena or at a bar where they were in the minority. Uh, again, like absolutely disgusting. I will note again, Wachtell Lipton, uh, Wachtell Lipton, uh, Rosen and Katz were the lead investigators in this as well. Uh, and stated that Levinson likely would have faced discipline from the NBA. Uh, that was pre Adam Silver, if I or no, it wasn't. No, Adam Silver was the commissioner by then. Yeah, twelve or thirteen or whatever. Yeah, because um, it was right after the Sterling thing and the no, 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 Silver he just, thing. Was, he just said like, well, he they had wanted to sell forever too. So like, whatever. Yeah, that's the whole thing. No, but yeah, I mean, look, I mean, it's. It's not, we don't see it directly in writing from Robert Sarver, I guess. And we don't see it, you know, directly, but we have a hundred people within this report that yeah. walks out Lipton, Rosen and Katz talk to. Like, I, I just, I struggle. I struggle with this decision from the NBA. I, I don't get it at all. Um, like you said, like, they yeah. could have done that. The, the minimum they could have done is at least put a hefty, like, ban on him. Yes. Like yes. at the minimum, the one year thing is just basically trying like begging him to stay. Yes. Like one year away, he's going to come back. The NBA is too lucrative to not. Anyway. Yeah. Win totals. Well, the one, the one year, the, the thing about the one year is the Suns are genuine competitors this year. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine if Robert or uh, Adam Silver had to hand the trophy to Robert Sarver? Like to me that that's what the one year is about. Or, I mean, but like they're going to be, theoretical contenders next year that would be worse but chris paul's older and oh, I mean, chris paul's to... older, they're not gonna be out of it. they're good they're gonna yeah, be good, good next year too they probably like probably i wouldn't pick them to win but i'm just i'm just saying like can you imagine though yeah one year is not enough 
Yeah. One year is not enough. It's gross. Yeah. It's it's a it is not enough. It is just not not good enough from yeah. the NBA. Um yeah. and I wanted to focus 25 minutes at the start of the show just reading off uh some of the things that happened here because For sure. I've seen already some pushback uh, on the NBA, even like overreaching from fans. Like, look, the media, this is one of those situations where it does feel like the media is a monolith in terms of what their opinion is on this matter. But I don't know that enough people have actually explained why What's the, in the media report? is a monolith and specifically what is in the report. Yeah. Uh, Almost everything I read is directly from the report. Uh, everything in terms of Robert Sarver's transgressions, yeah. directly from the report. It's it's not good enough. It's not good enough. We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, for instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla minus one recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan and you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot-blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash gametheory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y, to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash gametheory to claim your account. nordvpn.com slash gametheory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash gametheory. Okay, let's go to NBA over-unders. This is where Robbie and I tend to have some fun. Uh, so we're going to try and transition out of that and into... Smooth, smooth segue, baby. Out of into fun. That. So we're going to go 
with the Western Conference first. Typically, we do Eastern Conference first. We're going to flip it up this year. We're going Western Conference first. Yep. Our first team, the Dallas Mavericks, they're over under. And as cool, of course, as always, these numbers are courtesy of BetMGM, the sportsbook partner of The Athletic. Let's dive in, though. The first team is the Dallas Mavericks. The over under is 48 and a half. 48.5. What is your immediate guess here, Robbie? I lean under. I'm terrified of it, man. Okay, so this yeah. is where I do my spiel that I do every year, uh, where we'll tell you when we really like something. Um, and yeah. then, like, we're going to give a pick on everything, but we're also going to tell you that we are just, this is just a lean. And we'll tell you again, like we did at the beginning, we had eight actual plays last year uh, that we both kind of agreed to lock up. Uh, we will tell you when we get to those. This is not one of them for me. Uh, this is a lean under that I'm terrified of because Luka Doncic is that dude. Uh, and if he's healthy and looks like Eurobasket Luka all year, that he might pull a Jokic and drag this team close to 50 wins. You know, like he yep. could do that. However, I do have concerns about this Mavs roster that they didn't exactly upgrade much. Um, well, I think they downgraded the roster. To be and, and they, yeah, they got worse. So you lose Jalen Brunson, you replace him with? Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, kind of, Spencer, but I guess. Spencer Dinwiddie, like, who was already on the roster and. Trying to get Christian you, I, I, they're, they're talking yeah. about They're talking about Frank Nilakina is going to play real minutes now. Um, like yeah. that's, that's really part of their backup plan. And like, look. Frank Hive from Summer League 2018. Um, love that. Put Trey in clamps. The highlight of his career uh, will forever be that game at Summer League. However, I, I just – like them not getting Dragic, them not getting another ball handler is problematic. I am not a huge Spencer Dinwiddie guy. Uh, like he was solid for Dallas. Like he was obviously much better than he was in Washington. Yeah. I thought I thought he was pretty good, honestly. Like, last year. I, I, that's like my saving grace here. It's like Spencer might actually still be pretty good. Like, last year he shot. I, I would like fifty. I would like, yeah, fifty forty seventy three last year for Dallas. That would be great. I'm not sold that he can do it for a full year. I think there was maybe just a little bit of a a, a bump coming to that team and uh, a comfortable spot and having to take on more of a creative role with Brunson out. I think dips some of that efficiency naturally for him. Uh, and then you know. Christian Wood, I the jury's still out on him. I think just because we haven't seen him in a position where he has to play on a team that's trying to win. Like he he can put up some numbers. Like don't get me wrong. Like I think he's a yeah. talented guy, but defensively it is an adventure. Um, and like, how much is Jason Kidd going to balance playing Christian Wood versus playing Javale McGee when they need defense? Oh, the, like J- Jason Kidd's like already talking about bringing Christian Wood off the bench. Yeah, which. Sure, sure that I'm skeptical of I'm, sure that I'm skeptical if that's Christian a good idea. Right. And I'm, I'm skeptical of how Christian would take that, to be honest. Yeah, so I, I don't I really just don't know there's so many question marks on this team for me outside of Luca. How does Tim Hardaway Jr. come back and how how does that yep. sway things? Like can he be a guy? He was not good even before the injury, really. Like he was struggling. And so there's so many variables to me that make me say in a Western conference that sees some other teams, I think take a step forward compared to last year. Dallas is one of the teams that I would shuffle back a little bit from where they won 52 games a year ago. Obviously this is building in a step back, 
I think this is 46 to 48 win team, which would lean me under, but it wouldn't surprise me again if Luca can play all year and be healthy. They could win 50 games, but yep. I think it's more likely than not that that doesn't. So I'm trying to figure out, like, do they play bigger? Is that going to be the plan? Like, do, do I they think they have play? to because they're going to have to play. They're basically going to play Spencer at, at the one sum. And, yeah. But then you have point of attack defense problems and, like, I just yeah, – I'm just, I, like, not I'm not fascinated sure by how this all – but how this all works. And, and here, just, here's the other thing too. Dallas last year, everyone associates Luca with like incredible offense and you know, they spread the floor really well. They played small. They were the 15th best offense in the league last year. They were the, actually the sixth best defense last yeah. year. Uh, and they did it largely by playing small, playing aggressive defensively. Yeah. I think it's going to be a little bit harder to do that just in terms of mobility this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't know like, where exactly this team's identity is going to fall next year. Uh, they were tough. They were physical. They were well, that's what aggressive defensively. Um, that's what Jason Kidd builds, right? Maybe he is just like, yeah, that's what I worry about. Do they have the personnel? Like yeah. Christian Wood is a downgrade defensively. Uh, Jalen Brunson's like not an incredible defender, but he's a smart defender. Like he knows where to be. Well, he's, and he's, and and he's the kind of pest that Jason Kidd wants at the point of attack, right? Like yeah. kind of, he can kind of get under guys and kind of get into them a little bit because he's fairly strong for his size. And like I just, and Spencer did when he's like long, so yeah. they're going to be able to do something a little bit different there. Yeah. But this is a, I, I honestly would say like forty eight wins for like to me this number is like dead on. Numbers, um, I, I guess I would lean just very slightly under, but like I think this is a damn near a playoff team, if not a playing team. Yeah. And there is no circumstance where I would consider betting against Luka Doncic with him coming into the season seemingly in shape. Like, he, yeah. he looks great, or he looked great before Slovenia got eliminated. Yeah. He looks physically, like, in better shape than he's ever been entering an NBA season. So I absolutely uh, would not – I would not even consider this number. This you know what's going to be – you know what's going to be funny this year? Sam, are you are you ready? Are you ready for people to talk about how Luca's too tired in the playoffs because he played Eurobasket? Oh my god! Coming into the season in shape, everybody talking about how he needs to come into the season in shape. He finally does it by playing basketball all season. And then when they lose in the first or second round, it's going to drive me nuts. Get ready, get ready, because um, it's coming. Yeah, I know, I know it's coming. Uh, okay, let's go to the Denver Nuggets. Their over under is fifty point five. Yeah. Uh, we took the Nuggets last year. Their over-under was 47.5 without Jamal Murray. Uh, this team won 48 games last year. They're getting Jamal Murray back. They're getting Michael Porter back. They still have Nikola Jokic. Uh, they're getting Contavious Caldwell-Pope. What are you thinking? Over or under here? Yeah, this is actually this is one that... I think I'll bet it. I, I think I'll bet again, it. Again, I love it. We can, yeah, put, we can, put, is, we can put it on the board. We can put it on the, the, the Sam and Robbie unity board here. Um the, the fake board, because I'm not allowed to actually bet on sports anymore. Correct. The, the the fake board, just for this is just for accountability. We like to come to you every year and bring accountability for what we did a year ago. Um, yeah, over. I mean, it's it's all the things you talked about. Like, because the thing, and we talked about it last year. If you trust anybody to play 75 games in a season, it's it's Jokic. Yeah, like the dude's an Iron Man. He's he doesn't play the style of basketball that tends to lend itself to as many even, you know, 
mild ankles and, you know, things like that that can knock a guy out for a couple weeks. Yeah. Because he doesn't play above the rim. Like he's he's a floor bound fella. And that keeps you healthier than, say, somebody who jumps around a bunch. I mean, it's part of why Anthony Davis tends to roll ankles. He's up in the air a ton. Uh, you yep. land on people. When you're up as in well. The, right. You're yep. up in the air and you land on people. Like that's the fear. Jokic is not landing on that. People land on him, but like, no, you know. And so you give me Jamal Murray back. I love the KCP ad. Um, you know, they lose a little depth for the regular season, but like they haven't had point guard depth. You know what, though? I was just recently. thinking that like, I don't think they do lose depth because the Bruce Brown signing, I think, is going to be awesome. I love them. that. Like, that I is love a, that. Them being that's a small perfect team. fit. Yeah, it's kind of right. like you're going to be able to run like weird four five or five four like ball screen actions where so Jokic fun. is the ball handler and Bruce Brown's the roller. Like, there, there's going to be some real fun stuff that gets created there. I actually think Christian Braun, like or Christian Brown, like might be able to help a little bit I, off the bench. I mean, he's like an eighth or ninth shoot. man comes in and shoots. He's a sneaky shoot better defender, play. especially in a team context. And oh, he gets you credit say for. sneaky athletic. Damn it. Oh no, he's just athletic. Like he's not even. I know, I know. Like, <laughs> I, was just, I was hoping. I was hoping we could get we you get athletic in there. You get year two of Bones Highland, which I think they're hoping is going to be able to replace right. Monte Morris. Uh, yeah, I think this is like a. Basically, it comes down to: Do you think that Michael Porter and Junior and Jamal Murray are only worth two and a half wins? Like they're getting them back. Like, and I don't think they're really losing much on top of it. Like, I think you can make a case that like Kentavious Caldwell Pope might be worth like a win or two on this team, let alone getting back to potential all-stars. Like this is, I, I, I will look at the numbers as we're speaking in terms of like, which team will lead the Western conference in wins. Like, is that a, I wonder if we can get that number. Denver, I think is a sneaky team to win like the Western conference in the regular season. Yeah. yeah. And to end up with the one seed. I can, I can, I can sift through through some things here and uh, see if I can find yeah. it in a second. Um, da, 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 da. Yeah. I mean, I think we're in, we're in agreement here. I don't think we need to spend too much time on it. It's yeah. I think fairly self-explanatory. I think so too. Warriors 53.5. Where are you at on the night? I don't know. Uh, they won 53 last year. They don't really care that much about seeding. I, I don't know, man. Uh, I don't. I don't want to take anything here. Uh, we're gonna. So just this is not a not a play. The number looks right to me for what I it's think. Worth. They're a fifty three fifty four win team again. Like I, because yeah. like I said, like the the thing that drives you crazy about betting a Warriors win total. Is like they're not wor- like they weren't fighting for the one seed last year down the stretch. Yeah. Like they weren't worried about that. They don't care if they go on the road. They just don't. Like so so here would be here would be the case for the over. Please. Uh Stephen Curry only played sixty four games last year. They you know, didn't he didn't play a crazy amount. I would imagine that Steph probably plays a similar number of games this year. So like you don't have to worry about regressing Steph's minutes at all. Draymond Green only played 46 games last year uh, because he got hurt, obviously. I think that if Draymond Green stays healthy, he probably plays 65, 70 games. You add, you know, damn near 600, 700 minutes of Draymond Green. Clay Thompson played 32 games last year. You're getting a full season of Clay, hopefully, which maybe is 60 games. Mm -hmm. You know, again, that's going to add something like, you know, 800 minutes to Clay Thompson. 
you're in contract year Jordan Poole, uh, which I think is going to be very important for Jordan Poole. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is in a contract year, if I remember correctly as well. Like, there are a number of like motivational factors here that I think you can make the case. They do lose a bit of depth because Otto Porter and Gary Payton Jr. are gone. Yes, he is. But I don't know. I think that like the stars will be sufficiently motivated. You hopefully get a bit of regression in terms of minutes from their stars. Uh, just a bit of an addition. Uh, even like you could have one of those guys get hurt and you're still likely going to get more minutes from the big three than what they did last yeah. year. Uh I lean over here. Okay. Uh, it's n- 53 and a half is like a pretty big number to where I do worry about the motivational factors, but obviously they hope that like Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman, Moses Moody, these guys can step up in terms of depth. If those guys step up and are ready to play, like, and they are able to uh, like really provide minutes, I think this goes like way over. I think they could win like 59 potentially. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I guess, I'll, I'll go with you there. I'll, I'll go on the lean over because I do. I see more way. I over see more upside than control. downside. I see more, you know, like scenarios where they end up, like you said, closer to 60 wins than like sub 50. And if you, you see that, then lean over. Um, I don't want to bet it just because again, I'm spooked off of how they can maybe sleepwalk a little bit, but yeah, man, they're a really good team. They'll be they'll be a top three seed in the West again, top four seed in the West. So, totally agree. Okay, so the Houston Rockets are up next. No, oh, this man. number twenty three point five. Uh, I so want last year. Yeah, 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 no, I will. Uh, last year we were very aggressive on the under when it was twenty seven yes. and a half. I think this team is better than it was last year. And the number is four wins lower. Uh, I know they have to win four more games. I think this is over. I think over 23 and a half. Uh, I feel actually like kind of okay about this, to be honest. Like, I think that you should see just growth in terms of, you know, you're going to get Jalen Green, who's going to be a year better. You're going to get Alperin Shengun, who's going to be a year better. I think the Tari Eason and Jabari Smith have a chance to come in at least like eat up some minutes. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. is still a wild card for me long-term, but I think he's going to be valuable this year. Again, Kevin Porter Jr., potentially in a contract year if they don't sign him to an extension mm-hmm. before the October deadline. Josh Christopher will dribble the basketball. <laughs> he will shoot. He will shoot. Las that Vegas. is true. Not shy. Um, yeah. I think this is yeah. over. I, like, I, feel, I feel pretty okay about uh, like the Rockets not being – Last year they they went they went into the year last year and I was like this That's defense doesn't really have a chance to even like compete yeah. I thought um, I felt very good about that being a bottom five defense they finished second to last this year I think they're at least like a little bit more mobile than they were last year defensively okay. uh, you know Kevin Porter Jr. got better defensively last yeah. year Barry's a good defender Tari Eason's a good defender yeah. um, like if they finished twentieth defensively that wouldn't surprise me i don't know if i bet on that but like I, that wouldn't surprise me at all uh steven silas certainly wants more defensive effort than what he got last year um was. yeah obviously but <laughs> they have real they have jalen green who i think has a real chance to average 25 points per game this is it over for me I, I don't think they're a playoff team i don't think that they're like no. um 
going to make the play in tournament. But yeah, I think that like I have some real, I think there's real reason to be optimistic about this number. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're talking about teams that like there are, I think there's, there's worse teams in the league and they yeah. are sharing the worst number. Uh, yeah. I, I, like, I don't even San think, Fran. yeah, I don't even think that this is close. Like I think they're a better team than San Antonio. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll I, you know what? Let's go over. Let's put it on the board. Let's put, the we Houston might put this on the board. Let's put the Houston over on the board. Let's get weird with it. Why not? Let's be optimists. I'm in. You, got plenty you know what? I'm in. You got plenty you of me. Let's go. You, 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 you convinced me. You we do. Me. We got a lot of unders coming here. So let's be uh, optimists. Uh, I, I like everything you said. I'm fascinated to see how uh, Shengun as the presumed starter goes. Like that's going to be yeah. a really interesting thing to watch uh, to see his development. Uh, my, I think my only concern for Houston, this is not like necessarily a, I think this a little bit uh, on wins, but more just like, just let Jabari have the basketball some. Um, like I just guards, please. Let's feed let's feed the big fella a little bit. I just I just there's a lot of guards that like the ball in their hands on this team, and then you have Jabari who I think it does him a bit of a dis. It was the thing that drove me crazy watching Auburn last year is when they wouldn't put the ball in Jabari's hands more, and I feel like I'm gonna have some of those oh, same frustrations watching Houston. And like at least Houston has like better guards than Auburn did. But like I would watch Auburn and they'd go like five minutes without Jabari. The, like the Katie Johnson, Wendell Green experience. Doing a set. And I'm like, something. Like something with the, the giant man they can't guard. Anybody. Or the other giant man or they can't guard that like also anything. went in the first yes. round. The big fellas. <laughs> just like drive me. And I'll be like, I don't watch a ton of college hoops, but I would just watch Auburn. I'd be like, come on, guys. Like... <laughs> Let's be realistic about who we are here and who's a guy and who's oh, not a guy. That's a guy. The other big fella, he can dunk everything. Give him the ball some too. But I just, you know, watching Summer League, I had some PTSD from the Auburn stuff where Jabari was just out on an island in a corner waiting for a basketball to come his way. And I think part of the problem for Jabari is like, I, Jabari, I want you to be a little more assertive. I want you to grab one of those little fellas and say, <laughs> give me the ball. Me. Give me the ball. <laughs> you just got to grab one of them. You're bigger. Remember that. You just let them know. That's And again, uh, I, I don't necessarily think that's a, a win-loss thing, but that's just selfishly. Like, that's just, I just want to see more Jabari. Like, I just want to yeah. see like, the man. Like, when he's given the opportunity, he sometimes does absolutely insane things, and I would like to see that more often uh, than necessarily Josh Christopher dribbling and shooting all the time. Yeah, no, I'm with that. And, and look, again, Kevin Porter Jr. contract year, could result in some of that, I think. Uh, yep. He's good about, he's really good about like distributing last year. And uh, Kevin Porter took a leap last year, like no question. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I, again, like I'm worried about what that looks like long term, but I think that in terms of his talent, you can't really deny that. He took a leap as a shooter, took a leap as a defender. He's a good passer. Like there's, there's a lot there. Uh, I would just hope that. Uh, he and Jalen Green and the number of guards that they have in their backcourt get Jabari involved a little bit more. But this is an over, and I think I agree. Uh, put it on the board. I'm with you. This is a more talented team than what they had last year, and they should be better. Okay. Look at that, Look at that Rockets fans. We're in. Like, seriously, Rockets fans think I, like, dislike the Rockets. I don't. Like, I, <laughs> everyone knows that, like, 
Cole Zwicker like used to like be on this podcast every week. I want no- I want Cole to be happy. Like I want the Rockets to be good. Uh, seriously, like I, I really root for the Rockets because like Cole is the best. But um, come on, guys, like uh, they weren't very good last year. That's okay, not. and that's okay. Be better that was, this year. But that was also the it. plan. Like that's the thing that drives that that's always funny to me. It's like the plan was to be bad. We picked well, you to be Rocket, bad. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like Rockets fans, I think hadn't really experienced like pure disaster in a while. Right, uh, like real, James Harden was always going to make you good. Sure. So I, I think there was just a bit of adjustment, and that's that's okay, fair. right? That's it's totally fine. Yeah. Um. Okay, let's move to the Clippers. The Clippers over under is fifty one and a half. This is another one for me. This is over for me, and it's on the board. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's not. I, maybe it's not on the so board. Here's the issue. Here's the issue. Is as yeah. always with the Clippers, it's like how much are they all going to play? But like here, so here's, but the here's other the thing, thing is though. they're yeah. so deep. Yes. I get it. Yes. I trust me. I get it. But I'm still scared because I'm very Kawhi scared. And, Kawhi and Paul will they play 120 combined? If they oh if they play 120 combined, this is going way over. Smoking this it is like oh yeah yeah this is a but you get I think, play, I think if, over is the side. If they would play 70 games each, I think they win 59 games. Like yeah. I, I think this is you could talk. I, you I could think talk they me through a Clippers. A Along with Denver, a Clippers one seed bet. Yeah, I, I, it's a high variance bet. Sure, but yeah, like they have that outcome here. Like I was talking to Cole Huff on the previous podcast about this. We were trying to figure out like who on the Clippers is the best bet for sixth man of the year. Uh, <laughs> like Norman Powell was unbelievable in the five games he played for the Clippers last year, and is like an incredible scorer. Mm-hmm. Do they start Marcus Morris or Robert Covington? Mm-hmm. Like, is it, is it Luke Kennard or is it, um, you know, like Terrence Mann in the backcourt? Is it like John Wall is an incredible backup point guard idea, I think. Like, and there will be like a real uh, desire to see John Wall succeed, especially yes. after all he's gone through in the last year. Yes. So, like, we were trying I, to figure I, out, like, who's John Wall comeback player is like the lock of locks. I think so too. But, like, we were trying to figure out, and then they have Nick Batum as well. Like, do you start Nick Batum at the four? Do you start Marcus Morris? Do you start Robert Covington? Do you play? Do you play Paul George and Kawhi at the two and the three with Reggie Jackson, and then one of those bigs, and then or one of those forwards, and then a true big? Like, do you play small? This team is absolutely loaded. They have more than enough enough depth to make up for one of Kawhi or Paul George being out. Mm-hmm. It just can't be both of them. Correct. And if they have. So the Clippers last year, for reference, they won 42 games. This is basically getting a nine and a half win boost by Paul George playing more than 31 games and Kawhi Leonard playing more than zero games. Yes. Um, and getting, you know, a full season out of Norman Powell, like getting a full season out of some of these other guys. Like, yeah. And John Wall being an upgrade on Eric Bledsoe, in my opinion, like, there's uh, getting more than 23 games out of Robert Covington. Like you can go down the line. I think there are a number of reasons why you would take this over. And I am a believer in it. Let's go. Yeah. Let's throw three overs on the board before we storm through unders. Yeah, that's true. Let's get weird. Uh, This this one's amazing. It is amazing for me. I think we put this in the, in the memorial spot for the Lakers we had last year. Let's get one fate, one stupid favorite that we just, we just go in on. Let's do it. 
Well, you remember last year too what our other dumb thing was. We had um we had over on Brooklyn too. Yeah, we did agree on that. Yeah, that was dumb. We didn't put that on we the board, on but the like board, but that was dumb. That was I talk, I think I talked you out of putting that on the board. You did. I, so I appreciate I, that. You were like Yeah. Cause I asked how many games with Kyrie have to play. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> For oh, you boy. to take the under. Turns out twenty seven was the answer. Oh yeah. my god. Oh goodness. Okay. Uh let's go to the Lakers. 45 and a half. So we go from this Clippers team with two superstars with all of the depth in the world to this Lakers team that their third best player is Patrick Beverly. Their fourth best player is uh it's probably Russ, I guess, right? Russ might be their third best player and their fourth best player is Pat Bev, but like yeah, I, I, I don't know. We we significantly overrated the idea of what Russ was going to bring them. One hundred percent. We were like, yeah, he's just going to come in and be regular season Russ. Yeah, he he was not. Um, yeah, man. I, I mean, I, I I'm not playing it because LeBron AD could do LeBron AD stuff, but like this, I I don't know how you bet the over on this unless you're a Lakers fan. Yeah, I think this is an under as well. Uh. I don't but want to it, put it on the board because I'm terrified of just general LeBron LeBronness. Yeah. But if LeBron and AD play 135 games, this is definitely going over. But if they don't, and I, like all evidence over the past three years is that they won't. Right. Like LeBron over the last three years has played 67, 45, 56 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Davis over the last few years has played, as I pull it up and try to find Anthony Davis, uh, 40, 36, and 62 games. So the odds are that these two are going to play like 100 games, more mm-hmm. so than 135 games, which is going to make it very difficult, I think. Um, yep. Yeah. If if they were the held... You was, Russ, yeah. Russ would make up for that, because like when Russ is on the floor, normally a regular season team is good, but like that was not the case. Like We were like, yeah, they can miss some games, because... Right. No. Right. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm a, I am, I, I just like went on the podcast last episode and talked a lot about the idea of LeBron 25 to one for MVP, uh, because if it all goes right for LeBron, LeBron averaged 30 points a game last year. LeBron's really good. Uh, if it all goes right for the Lakers and they win 50 games, there's going to be an enormous push for LeBron for MVP. And I think there's value to be had at 25 to one uh, at even odds, 45 and a half over under. I think that the odds are more likely that this doesn't go super well this year for the Lakers. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, they're going to be better, but 12 wins better. I don't know. But I do want to say, like, I love Darvin Ham. That's my guy. Uh, I I hope he gets some time. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, it's tough to get time in L.A. if things don't go well. Um, but I think he's going to be a very good head coach in this league um, when he gets a roster that is full of NBA talent. Yeah, that, that's the problem. Right now, it's just not a it's just, it, They're just has... so thin. Like it, They are the, yeah. the antithesis of the Clippers. Like the Clippers, you go like twelve deep, and you're like, "There's, there's a guy I'd put in a rotation." Like, yep, they're gonna have to. Fi- Ty Lue's gonna have to figure out who not to play, and Darwin's gonna have to figure out who can play. Yeah, rather okay. have, rather have the other issue. 
the Grizzlies next. Uh, this number is 49 and a half. This is a significant drop off from what they were at last year. They were 56 win team last year. Uh, John Moran obviously took the league by storm and you're not even really expecting like if you are someone who believes John Moran is just not going to get through a full season. John Moran only played 57 games last year. He didn't get through a full season last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jaron Jackson though played 78 games last year and Jaron Jackson is very important for them and he's going to miss at least the first half of the year. It seems like something in that ballpark. Uh, I will say though, Dylan Brooks only played 32 games last year. Uh, did that? Maybe. How much did that hurt? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, in, win, in winning basketball games, like I, I, with 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 being able to play D'Anthony Melton and Tyus Jones and other guys like that, I don't know how much. Yeah, more Dylan Brooks and less D'Anthony Melton is a a positive in terms of winning a lot of games. It's yeah. more fun. Like it's more <laughs> more high variance. You're gonna have more highs, but you're also gonna have more. Not great game. Questionable decisions. Um, yeah. I, 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 look, I, we came in the last year, we were pessimistic about the Grizzlies offseason. I thought they had downgraded. I didn't like the Stephen Adams edition. Stephen Adams and Jaron Jackson Jr. were perfect complements to each other. Um, the way that Adams can anchor a defense and be in the right position and allow Jaron Jackson to flow and be the best version of a center fielder was tremendous to watch and they worked so wonderfully together also because Steven Adams is the screener that Jaron Jackson Jr. isn't. So he helped job Morant tremendously without Jaron. How much do Steven Adams deficiencies now show up in the mobility, in the ability to cover on the perimeter because you had Jaron to cover on the back end. If you pull Steven Adams out, Jaron's still down there somewhere and is going to rotate over and, and, be a deterrent at the ground. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you're going to, I mean, Brandon Clark, I guess, theoretically steps into that role. Right. Yeah. And, and like, I like Brandon Clark, but he's not Jaron Jackson jr. Um, just not as big or as long. Like there's a significant. Yeah. Difference. And so he's, yeah. he's just not the same kind of rim deterrent. Like he's a hyper athlete. I think you put him in that role and I think he can succeed some, but how much does it translate? I, I think this number is correct. I think this is, probably a 48 to 50 win team. I think I would maybe lean under. I think they overachieved a touch last year, but they also just might be one of those teams. We've talked about this in the past. They might be one of these teams like the Toronto's of old, like the Portland's of old, where they just win four games every regular season. They're not supposed to because they care because John Morant is going to have them. And they do. And that's, and that is full credit to them. It's why I would not touch this as an actual bet, but I will lean under with, again, offering the full respect to Ja and the way that they play and how hard they play, gets them in the conversation for 50 wins. And it's kind of crazy that we say that considering how important Jaron Jackson Jr. is. Like, that's how good they are as a regular season team. Um, They have things to figure out come postseason time because, like all those other teams, everybody's trying their hardest every game in the playoffs, and it levels some of that. And so they have some deficiencies they've got to pick up in the postseason, but that's not what win total is about. I'm going to say I lean under, but I'm scared of it and would not be surprised they win low 50s. So I think the number is right. 
to win this, you have to get to 50. I think that what that would require is a big leap from Desmond Bain. And I think Desmond Bain is going to make a leap this year. I think that he's going to be like a 22 point per game scorer who shoots like a crazy number from three. And and I think he's going to be awesome. They lose DeAnthony Melton and Brandon Clark. Or not Brandon Clark. I'm sorry. No. They lose the Anthony Melton and Kyle Anderson. My brain right. yeah. froze for I was like, I was like, wait, I just yeah. was was I wrong talking about Brandon Clark all that time? No, no, no. no. Brandon Clark's there. I was uh, like, okay. They lose Kyle Anderson. Yes. Uh, they're expecting, I think, that John Conchar and someone like Jake LaRavia, maybe Zaire Williams steps into more minutes, guys like that can make up for Kyle Anderson. I think it's a reasonable bet, to be honest. Okay. If you think John Morant is going to play more than 57 games, I feel okay about it. I, I still, it's a stay away for me. If I had to lean, I think I would lean under just slightly. But like, again, this is somewhere between a 47 to 52 win team, probably. Yeah. I mean, that's, and, yeah. I mean, I just, that, I that's where I'm at. And again, like, I don't want to, like, we're, we're not locking this up. Um, no, we're not. Just, we're not. But, but more important, they, they won. They won so many games last year, and like that, you were just like, "How?" Like, like, and yeah. maybe they just do that. But it's through they effort. Just... It's it's through effort and being like professionals and being. Uh, this yeah. is the these are the guys that the Grizzlies draft. I've talked about it for years. This is what they do. They draft yeah. high character, emotionally intelligent competitors. Like those 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 are the three things that like really matter in terms of finding guys that like fit within their locker room. It shows throughout their draft history. You can just look at it. And those guys tend to win you regular season games, point blank. And trivia time. Real quick though. How old is Steven Adams? Thirty two. Steven Adams just turned 29 in July. The hell? <laughs> He's got that Greg Monroe in him. Steven Adams. No. Just How turned old was 29. He when he came in the league? He must have been like. He was like 19. 19. He, he turned. He turned. Or no, no, no. He might have been 20, but he came in after a one and done at Pitt. Yeah. Man. 29? He's 29. <sighs> He's been in the league for almost a decade, but he's 29. That's pretty that's, wild. That's, that is wild. I mean, again, that's that's that Greg Monroe. Like Greg Monroe's been 35 for a decade. Yeah, that's true. Stephen Adams. It's crazy. Stephen Adams, like he's always looked like he's just yeah. like because he's built like a brick house. Like he's a monster. He's enormous. I still he's love listening dude. to uh, NBA players talk about Stephen Adams setting screens on them. Like just Jimmy like being the strongest human like, being on planet Earth. <laughs> Jimmy Butler. Like Jimmy Butler complaining about running into a Stephen Adams screen yeah. still kills me. Like, yeah, no, that's the best. Okay. Uh, so we've promised uh, unders here, but we're still not going to get there because the Timberwolves are up next. Uh, this number is 48 and a half. I think this team has a real shot to be a very good regular season team. <laughs> they we're watching it. Regular season King. Are you kidding me? We're watching it in Eurobasket with Rudy Gobert, how impactful he is on the geometry of the game. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that this team is going to be awesome offensively because Rudy is an incredible rim runner. Carl Towns is a great shooter, great perimeter player, can really create. Uh, you're essentially replacing Rudy with Jared Vanderbilt or Jared Vanderbilt with Rudy. And for as much as I love Jared Vanderbilt and think he's valuable, mm-hmm. 
Rudy as an offensive threat is a significant upgrade. Uh, And by the way, that pressure on the basket, I think is actually really, really going to open up the court for someone like D'Angelo Russell, who's going to have like a true primary pick and roll roller toward the rim uh, that teams have to account for. Uh, and that's going to open up his pull-up game. It's going to open up Anthony Edwards' pull-up game. Uh, obviously, you're going to have Carl Towns on like the second side of the action. It's going to be nasty. Well, or, or just, or just has a, or the the Carl pick and pop with Gobert in a, in a dunker spot on the weak side, right. like as he because he likes to lurk there and then rotate over if you help yep. up. And like, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be able to do some nasty stuff like offensively, and it's a really good situation for Rudy, like you mentioned, because they have so many dynamic on ball guys that he can just feast as yep. as a rim guy. And, like, I also think in a way that maybe in Utah he didn't – like, he, he wanted the ball a little more. Um, I think he'll come into a situation understanding his place a little better in Minnesota rather than being – having his place kind of supplanted by another young guy in Utah. I think that always irked him a little bit was how Donovan leapt over him when he yeah. was kind of the guy. And I think he always felt like he should have another hand on the wheel with Donovan. And in Minnesota, he comes into a place where it's pretty clear the hierarchy offensively. You got Carl and you have Ant and then, and then you have D'Angelo and then you have Rudy. Like it's, it's pretty clear to me. Maybe it will be, maybe it won't be them, but yeah. But by the way, as we're talking here, just like seven minutes ago, uh, we talked about this to start the episode, but. Oh yeah. I was going, uh, I was trying to figure out how to mention this to you. Yeah, uh, Suns Vice Chairman John Najafi has released a statement calling for Robert Sarver to resign. Yeah, man. Uh, he he owns the second largest ownership stake in the Suns uh, and Mercury franchise, uh, and he cannot, in good judgment, sit back and allow our children and future generations of fans uh, to think that this behavior is tolerated because of wealth and privilege. Shout out to this guy. Shout out to John Najafi. Uh mm-hmm. I don't know like anything about this guy. I'm stealthily writing a blog post in the background about this right now. Yeah, this is good. This is good. I like it. Uh, Najafi went on to say that Sarver's conduct would have warranted immediate termination by any CEO, executive director, president, teacher, or coach. Um, the fact that Robert Sarver owns the team does not give him a license to treat others differently than any other leader. Uh, the fact that anyone would find him fit to lead because of this ownership position is forgetting that NBA teams belong to the communities they serve. Shout this, this dude. Shout out this dude. This is big, great. Big, big John Ludoffy guys here. Good for him, man. He's great. This is a fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Good. That's a good, it's a strong statement. Yes, I am. I am here for it. I am. I'm very here for it. Okay. Uh, Now transitioning back out of this toward the New Orleans Pelicans, the Pelicans over under is 45 and a half. The Pelicans last year won 36 games, but I almost think that number is like non-representative of who they are, kind of. Because after the C.J. McCollum deal occurred, they were a different team last year. Also, they're getting Zion Williamson back. This is like almost purely an on-paper bet to me. Like what this roster looks like on paper. And like, look, you can say, you know, over the last, what was it? Um, 
they won they won like a crazy number of games over their last and they went no they only went 10 and 10 over their their last 20 games um but they went what is it they went like 12 and five no seven and five yeah th- no they were just like a slightly above 500 team last year <laughs> it just felt but so much better it felt so much better didn't it, it? Felt so much. it really did like as you were like, reading those i was kind of surprised that the they were that flat yeah, um, and they were good against the Suns in that series too. Yeah, like, I think that was, I think that that was part of it. Yeah, but I don't know, man. Like, I think this is just there are too many questions here for me. I'm staying away from this entirely. Yeah, but I think that I lean under here just because of the questions I have. Mm-hmm. Like, how does Zion Williamson? fit with Jonas Valanciunas and Herb Jones, who were two of their most important players last year. Uh, Zion's obviously like incredible and I love Zion and like I'm all in, but like how does that roster work around him to accentuate his skill as like the most dominant interior force in the NBA? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, CJ McCollum, I think is a great fit with him, but like if you end up with Zion and CJ and Jonas on the court together, can you put Herb on the court with those guys and make it work offensively in the way that you need him on the court to make it work defensively? Mm-hmm. Uh, I love all of the players on this team. Like literally, like I think that I have a higher opinion of every single player on this team than what the like typical consensus is. Like I love Zion. I love Trey Murphy. I love Herb Jones and loved him in the draft. Like I, I really like a lot of this roster quite a bit but and then obviously like you know we haven't even mentioned like brandon ingram like brandon ingram <laughs> only played brandon ingram only played 55 games last year yeah. too so like you know you're getting more minutes from brandon ingram probably how does brandon ingram work with zion by the way i think we still have some questions there like mm-hmm. I, I just don't i don't have a good feel for what this roster looks like mm-hmm. so it's just like a pure stay away from me uh, in every regard uh, if you made me lean, I guess I would lean just like very slightly under. I think this ends up being like a good solid play-in team, but I just don't, I, I don't, I can't wrap my head around it. So uh, it's a stay away for me. Yeah. I I think like, I want to, I want to lean over. Like I want, like I, I'm with you. I think that's a stay away. Like, I think I might want to lean over just because, like you said, like I do believe in a lot of these pieces. I think Willie Green's a really good coach too. I think yeah, I saw him yeah. like the way he kind of put things together on the fly last year, I think was really impressive. And I'm excited to see what he does. So I, I actually trust him to kind of figure out how to put some of these pieces together and get that buy-in. Um I, I think I think he was impressive uh last year. Hawks legend Willie Green, by the way. Loved covering that guy. Um I I'm going to lean over. I'm with you, though. I would not bet it uh, just because there are enough questions about everything. But, like, I don't know. I could see this team winning 46, 47 games. Um, I could, too. I absolutely could, yeah. Like, if Zion just, is who we think he is. and If Zion can ball, like, you get 65 games of Brandon Ingram instead of 55 games of Brandon Ingram. You get a full season of C.J. McCollum. The thing is, they started so, – they were, like, 1-12 out of the gate. Like, yeah. If they can just like just don't do that, then 
you know, maybe we're talking, maybe we're talking about how, you know, this is a team coming, you know, if they split those and go closer to 500 in that opening stretch, you know, we're talking about a four, maybe even, even if they go four and eight or whatever, you know, it's a 41 team and maybe we're, it's, it doesn't feel like as big of a jump like this. Like, it feels like you, you don't like to jump 10 wins and just, like you said, it's an on paper bet because it's such a wash from last year. I feel like it would feel a little better if they hadn't absolutely been miserable to start the year. Um, so I'll be, I'll, I'll take an optimistic outlook on the Pelicans. I see everything you're saying, but I, I do. I love, I love their dudes. I think they have the depth to navigate some injuries now. Like I think yeah, they in the do. way they, in the way they didn't like you can, you can run like if CJ's out, you know, CJ needs to sit out. Like you can, you can get Trey Murphy some shots up. Like you can get him some yeah. opportunity on the ball a little bit too. I want to see that a little more. Um, and I think the fact that you have three guys now that can have the ball at three different par- parts of the court allows you to be pretty variable. And the fact that you have CJ, you have Brandon, and you have Zion, like you can be pretty varied in how you attack defenses. And I think that's going to be a fun thing to watch because those are those guys score at three very different levels. Like CJ and Brandon mm-hmm. are occupy a little bit of the same space, but in different ways um in the mid-range. But like the way Zion pressures the rim, I think opens up yeah. so much else for the rest of them. I'll be a little optimist. Uh, let's say 46 wins for the Pelicans and a slight lean over, but I'm not locking it up. Like, is it out of the question that they have two top 20 guys in the NBA next year in Zion and Brandon Ingram? I don't like, think so. I, I've been, and if, by if the Brandon way, takes a leap, like, that's not out of the question, I don't think. Like, could, could Brandon Ingram take a step towards being last year's Jason Tatum offensively? Yeah, probably. Like I think that you know, like defensively, he's not he's not as big and he's not as as physical and strong. Like he's not he's not like soft, but he just doesn't have as much mass. But like offensively, like I think if you're looking for where Brendan Ingram, like what that leap looks like, it's it's Tatum last year. Well, it's the shooting, it's the pull up shooting. Like he yeah. needs to be a better pull up shooter in the way that Jason got to be yeah. just like totally lethal yeah. as a pull up three point shooter. Like if Brandon would have that, it'd be gross. Uh, he shot thirty three percent from three last year though. Didn't take like a crazy amount of them. Yeah. Um, but that that's like the next part of his game. He's a great passer. He's uh, obviously just incredible using his length to get into that mid range area and shoot over the top of guys. And he's a great mid post player. Like, I, I love Brandon. I think I'm very, very high on Brandon. Yeah. But he's been, and he's impressed me. Like, I mean, like really like yeah. coming to new Orleans, you were, it was kind of like a, like, what is this guy exactly? And, and what role does he play? And I think last year, the most impressive thing, especially in that playoff series was like, he's doing it on a good team, you know, like, yeah, that was yep. that was always the is he a, a looter in a riot situation? Is he just piling up points on bad teams? And he went out there and he was efficient in that playoff yeah. series, and he was a killer in a couple of those games against the Suns. Like they just had no answers for him. Yeah. And I think uh, he's a stud. I, I'm I'm a big Brandon Ingram it. fan. I want to see it more. And uh, yeah, I'll buy in on the Pelicans. I, you know, we we both were kind of out on them last year. Uh, the Zion stuff was spooky uh, with the foot and uh, all that, but. Look, the, the CJ trade, I was not sure about it when they made it. Worked out great. Um, yeah. Good on them. Yeah, I, I think that I lean just slightly under, but like this is the most variable number to me. Uh, you could tell me the team wins 50 games and I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. I, I just personally can't wrap my head around what it looks like right now. I think and. Yeah, I just I need I'll to say see this. I have I think I have 
I think I look at them in a similar light as the Mavs. They just don't have Luca. Like right. I think in terms of like, how are you fitting all of these pieces together? But I also think I have fewer questions about the sporting cast than Dallas. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like I just, they just don't have Luca. Like it's just like, so I would put them, I would, I would put New Orleans and Dallas. I think they're they're in this, they're in a similar tier for me in terms of wins. It's that same 46, 47 win expectation, which is why Dallas, I was a little under and uh, New Orleans, I'll go a little, I think they're very similar teams. It's just obviously the Luca factor can throw a whole lot off. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Thunder now. 23 and a half wins. Uh, no Chet. That is such a low Which number. sucks. Which sucks, No Chet's man. terrible. Yeah. Um, but Shea Gilgis-Alexander only played 56 last year. Josh Giddy only played 54. <laughs> Lou Dort only played 51. Teo Maladone only played 51. Uh, shout out They're to They're artists, man. They're uh, artists. Mike only played 49. Like... Moose season out there. Do you, okay, trivia time. Oh, no. Outside of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who played the most minutes on the team? Shea Gilgis-Alexander played 18 more minutes than this person. Oh, my goodness. Um, Dort? No. Dort was fourth in minutes. I don't even know, dude. This is like when we played the Thunder roster game last year. This is hard. We should. Is it Moose? This year. It's not Moose. Moose was. Uh, I, w- Moose I would think it was. Here, he was. He'd be way yeah. down there. Um, Moose is fifteenth in minutes. Okay. Okay. I do. I don't know who you got. Darius Baisley played the second hey. most minutes on the. You know, Oklahoma good, for Darius. good for Darius. Good for Darius. The intern. Okay. Robbie Calland. <laughs> How many players can you name on the Oklahoma City Thunder? Let's see if you've improved from last year. Don't. All right. Well, we got Shea. Shea. We got Josh Giddy. We have yep. Chet Holmgren. Yep, that's three. We have Darius Baisley. Four. We have Lugens Dort. Five. We have Mike Mascala. Six. We have Teo Maladon. Seven. Sort of. I don't. I think Teo will be on the team, but you know, yeah. for now. Um. Come come on, man. Come on. Get the patron saying in this podcast. Oh, God. Um, dude, I'm blanking so hard on the Thunder roster right now. This is good podcasting, by the way. Just me thinking. Just you naming players on the Thunder. Just, just trying to name guys. Right, this is this is pathetic. I should I definitely know more guys than this. Um Is Favor still there? I believe he is still on the roster. Yeah. Okay. Derek Favors. That's eight. Uh, um. Come on, man. Do you kill it? See, now I'm like. So uh, here, I'll give you a hint. Oh, Two Poku. Are... Shit, Poku. Sorry. No, of that's course I got. I know Poku. That's the important I Poku. I know Poku. Yeah. I so that's nine. Two more of them are first rounders that happened this year. Jesus Christ. Uh. Oh my God! Oh yeah, uh, the uh, the the Williamses, the Jalen and Jalen Williams. That's eleven. Um, yeah, you're now, you're. This is great. You're drilling it now. I'm doing, I'm doing much better. I just need a little. Yeah. As soon as you, I was like, I was like, who am I forgetting? Poku. Like, of course, I'm forgetting Poku. Yeah. Um, who was the other first round pick they had? Usman Jang. 
Oh, yeah. yeah no, was, Six foot ten French kid. That would have taken me a yeah. hot minute. That was not something okay. I was real dialed on going into the draft. So that's that's twelve. Um, we have Aaron Wiggins, uh, oh, yeah. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you named Baisley. I did name Baisley. Trey Mann is Trey an Man. important one. Okay, Trey yeah. Mann played the fifth most. Trey Mann <laughs> played the fifth most minutes on the Thunder last year. By the way, oh, no. Do you know? Do you know how many minutes? Uh, no. Trey Mann played in the first twenty games of the season. In the first twenty games, no. Yeah, like uh, he played. 30. Looks like about a hundred and fifty-six. Okay, so he's not a not a real big piece. No. Um, and then became a big piece. Yeah, and he was sneaky good, by the way, for a time there last year. Like sure. shot making translated eventually. I mean, look, he's going to have some issues defensively, but he got a little bit better defensively throughout the course of the year. Um, yeah, like, important piece for them long-term now. Uh, could be interesting, like, as a sixth man, like, genuinely, I think. Um, yeah, this is an over-under of 23 and a half. Same place it was last year. That that number is very low. <laughs> it's so low, dude. For a team with, like... I mean, we listed the guy. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of a fun game, but, like, as you list the guys, like, there's... They're just young, young players. And I, I think you, I, I, I would have a very hard time taking this under, like we took it last year and they, like you said, nobody, none of their guys played more than 55, 56 games, none of their guys. And they went over by one or by half game. Like I just, I have a really hard time taking the under on this, but I don't want to bet the over because they also will shut everybody down again. My, my sneaky thought is that, they're actually going to try this year. Like they're not going to, I don't think that they're going to pull the, like we're shutting Shea down unless Shea gets hurt. Right. Like, I I don't think they're going to do that this year. I hope, I hope not. I think at some point you got to, you got to do something. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe I'm like misjudging the situation, (laughs) but like, I don't think they're going to pull the, like, let's shut Shea down. Let's shut Lou Dort down. I think that they're going to compete. These guys are competitive dudes. Like they draft competitive human beings. Uh, I think that they go slightly over here. Uh, I'm staying the hell away from this. I, I don't want to bet. I don't want financial investment on the Oklahoma City Thunder. But I, yeah. I'm with you. Like I would have. I would have a very hard time taking this under. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Phoenix Suns. Fifty three and a half. Uh, this is a pure stay away for me. If, if you made me like say a number. Based on the talent they have in their roster, I would say over. Yeah, but I this hey, situation listen, is just too. I, I don't. I don't know what's going this, on. This, this is for Minnesota fans. The vibes are horrendous, man. Like it's just a bad <laughs> vibes organization right now. Like they killed me last year saying that about Minnesota. Shouts to Anthony Edwards. He's turned that program around. Uh, I like how I call him a program, like a college team. Uh, yeah, Phoenix. I think I, I would appreciate that. Yeah, I mean he's you know he's turned them around. It's 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 like honestly like that I, I think that's true. Uh, I'm with you. Like talent makes me. Oh, the, just, and by the way, there's like good. there's there's no way Phoenix fans can argue that the vibes are bad here. Uh, <laughs> the vibes were bad on the court in the last thing we saw from the Phoenix Suns where they got obliterated by Dallas, and the vibes are bad off the court with. Robert the, uh, Let's just the, be real. The, num- the number the number two stakeholders calling for the number one stakeholder to resign in disgrace. Yes. Seems bad. And the Seems and the star bad. of and the star of the team agrees. Going great. Uh, yeah, look, it, here's what I will say. Wait, wait, did someone agree? Well, well, I mean, Chris Paul just generally like said like the punishment wasn't enough. 
Yeah, that's true. Okay. So, like, I just, that. I'm just saying generally, like he didn't like retweet and say like, hell yeah. But like the general gist is the same. Yeah. I mean, I, I want nothing to do with this, this franchise right now. I don't know where they go. Maybe they can just reset it, but like, it seems really hard after the last two, the way the, the postseason has ended the last two times to just get it all right back. Like, and maybe they can. Like Monty said, Williams is good. They're so good. Monty Williams is really good. They have like the same team. Like they're of a 64 win team a year ago. Like they're really good. Like this feels yeah. low, but it also feels low for a good reason. And it feels like something might change at some point in the year. And I, like, I don't know. Like, I just, like, I, I, just I will make the case away. that like Monty Williams might be the coach I trust most to like handle, this. get guys locked in, handle sure. this situation figure it out. Right. Yeah. Um, Chris Paul is incredibly mature head of the players association. Like, I think Devin Booker is too. Devin Booker wants to compete, wants to be great. Uh, DeAndre I, I think that, wants to play video games. And like, wants like wants to play basketball and just play basketball, play video long. games. And that's all yeah. he wants to do. And I respect the hell out of that. Uh, Mikhail. Mikhail Bridges, incredible professional. Like they're they have the team to do it. I, I like yeah, I, yeah. I actually think that like this is if, if there wasn't anything going on off the court, this isn't over for me. Oh, like, this is smashed. Yeah, but I just don't I don't know how I feel about all this. Yeah, and this also I don't know if Chris Paul plays fewer games this year. I don't know if he yeah. and like they're, they're the the thing that was the issue for them last year is this uh, I, I don't like their backup point guard situation. Like they wrote they wrote a super hot hand with campaign through that finals run and he has not been the same and they haven't addressed enough. Like they tried to add Aaron holiday last year and that didn't really do anything. Like the backup point guard situation is a, a tough one with them. And when Chris Paul could play 55 games, that's a real issue. That's, yeah. that's the, that is the blemish on the roster. I have the biggest issue with, and I think it's the thing that holds them back in the playoffs. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's go to the beginning of what is going to be an under party. I think. Oh yeah, forward baby. for this podcast. Oh yeah, baby. The Portland Trail Blazers, thirty nine and a half. What mm-hmm. do you think here, Robbie? I mean, I mean, I, I'm not betting the over. Um, I don't know if I want to lock up the under on Portland, and I, maybe you I feel agree. differently. I, I'm. No, I, I don't want to lock respect yeah. respect for what Damian Lillard does. Yeah. In the regular season, like just genuinely, like it, it's, I talked about it when I talked about the Grizzlies. Like he's just one of those guys that gets his team to play hard. Yep. He, did, he didn't play last year, and that's why they were horrific. But he tends to be a guy that can get the rest of the team. And like they've got some guys. Like I, I'm excited to see what Anthony Simons does in, you know, an expanded role full time now. He was obviously balling out without CJ and without Dame. And now, you know, he steps in. I'm not huge on Simons necessarily as like, you know, I don't know if he's an all star caliber type guy, fringe guy like CJ was, but like he's a, he's a fun guy to watch. I think it's an under though. Like we've talked, like how many teams in the West have we talked about leaning over at this point? Like somebody's got to yeah. lose game. Somebody's got to lose games and it's going to be a talent discrepancy. And they are just at a talent deficit compared to more than half of the West. Yeah. So this is kind of the way I'm thinking about this. So the Blazers 
are 10th in terms of like win total over under here. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are 39 and a half. They are in 10th place. Mm -hmm. The last few years, the 10th place team in the West has won 36 games, Mm -hmm. 33 games. Mm -hmm. Uh, They won 34 games, Mm -hmm. 37 games with the Lakers in 2019. Uh, then the 10th, the 10th place team in 2018 won 42, which is just a very high number. That was yeah. the year that like the Clippers were like, yeah. it took 47 to get in the playoffs in 2018, yeah. which is just like totally bonkers. Uh, but then 34 in 2017, uh, and then 33 in 2016. So in general, like the team that finishes 10th in the West tends to win something like, you know, 33-ish games, 33 to 37 games. And I I think it's just hard, like, to when you're that, when you're, like, a good team, but you're just a little bit below everyone else in the league and you're going to be not favored to win a ton of games. Like, it's just hard, I think, to come up with almost a 500 record. Because that's what you need. You need 40 wins. That's a lot. And we're also talking about, you know, some of these teams that were – Bad last year, going to be a little more competitive at least. Like, we're talking about Houston, yeah. Not, Houston's not going to be a gimme this year. Uh, OKC's not necessarily going to be a gimme depending on when you catch them, uh, in the season. Like, I, you know, like obviously you kind of could replace them with San Antonio and Utah a bit, but I, I just it's hard for me to say over, uh, yeah, and say they're going to win 40. I think, like you said, like it just feels more likely that this is a 37 win team. Uh, and is the last team into the play-in. And look, I, like, are you going to want to face Dame in a play-in game? Probably not. Like, it's not going to no. be fun. Like, the seventh seed's not going to have fun playing Dame because we know what he can do in a one-game situation. But it's just – it's going to be tough for them to do this. Uh, I still don't know what Chauncey is as a head coach necessarily as well. Like, I think those old Portland teams, we knew exactly what they were with Terry Stotts and how they were going to run stuff. And – they're kind of going to have to keep because they miss so much time. There's going to be another kind of relearning curve. I think there that, that could inhibit them from starting uh, as well as they'd like to. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I agree. This is a slight under for me, but like not crazy. The Spurs 23 and a half pop wants Wimby baby. Yeah. Look, if I could bet on a team to have the worst record in the league, I think it'd be the Spurs. Oh, Uh, for sure. Like they're, this this roster is like scary. It's bleak, good. and they're going to trade a few guys. I would think so. Like um, they're going to trade Purtle to somebody when when a team when a team comes there, up and thinks like, that Kel- they're competitive. Kelton Johnson's probably their best player. I would agree. Uh, is their second best player Jakob Purtle? Yes, and then Vassell. Probably, yeah. I think that's right. Like unless Sohan, like it's just like ready from the jump in a way that I'm I just don't, I even don't like as a fan of him. I don't think he's better offensively than Vassell at this point. Yeah. No, maybe like Primo, like just takes him. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, Primo's going to play a lot. Like he's going to have to, I don't have anybody else. Yeah. Basketball. Um, I, I just don't, I, I think this is like a, a team that wins like in the teens. This is like a, this is a bet for me. Okay. I'm I, well, put it on the board. Spurs under. This is this is a non-existent bet since I'm not allowed to bet. On yeah, this is Spurs. Spurs under. Uh, put it on the board. 
they also would like they just they want that that one seed yeah. in the in the lottery the one seed in the lottery um yeah they're just gonna be bad like i think i hope at some point pop spends press conferences reading wemby stats <laughs> like i i when, as they're just like asking him about wouldn't that be a great bit like, as they're asking him about some, like, 30-point loss to the Clippers, he just, I will reads, say, like, he just reads what Wimby's doing overseas, 20, yeah, 20 16, and 12 or some shit. That'd be amazing. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, is going to be a rough team this year. Uh, and I think, and like I said, like, they're gonna, I think they trade Pirtle because I think there's – I think there's enough teams that are going to believe that they're contenders that need big man help. Yeah. That somebody, I, you know, like Toronto might call. Yeah. Them. Like that, that's Toronto the exact team is, I was going to bring up. Fit, like, that makes the most sense. Yep. Um, you know, and like, they're not going to get a better player back for that. Like, I just think there's enough, you know, maybe maybe Charlotte goes on a stupid run to start the season, which I don't see. We'll get to them in the East, but maybe Charlotte okay. comes calling or something. But like, I think there's enough teams that are going to talk themselves into we could be something, and they're going to want to trade that. Pertle will be out of there, and I think he's an early trade guy too. I think the Spurs are going to jump on somebody early, and he's out of there in like December. Like he's not. A He's and like, injuries will occur throughout the year. Well, and that's yeah. So like they're yeah. going to hold on until they get the right thing. But somebody's going to offer a first for like a lotto protected first for Jakob and he'll be out of there. I, I think that that is a likely outcome that someone offers like to, a real first. I would like to bet. Pirtle. I would like to bet on Pirtle not being on the Spurs. Minus okay. 5, well, I mean, look, like his his extension number is like not like. It's not like insane, but if I was him, I would probably wait to see what the TV money is going to look like um, and probably want to go to free agency. Um, But like, there's like a not like 0% chance that he could take like a 450 extension or something like that. Um, I wouldn't do that if I was advising him though. Um, Okay. The Kings 34 and a half. I feel bad about this. I think this team's going to be incredibly fun. I think they have a chance to win 40 games and this is a stay away for me. It's just that they're like the 11th or 12th best team in the West. And while I really am going to enjoy watching Kings games, I have such substantial worries about what they look like defensively that I can't get to and over uh, as much as I'm going to enjoy watching Kings games, as much as I want the Kings to be good. I just can't quite get there. Just stay away. I don't, like, like we talked, I think we talked about it last year. Like just, do you want to invest financially, emotionally in the Sacramento Kings any more than this is, uh, this is a fun team to watch sometimes at 10 30 at night. Oh, I don't even think it's going to be sometimes like, I think they're going to be genuinely fun. Like the Demonis Sabonis in, De'Aaron Fox pick and roll is going to be great. They have like real second side shooters now with Keegan so. Murray and uh, you know, obviously Harrison Barnes is still there. And uh, Malik Monk is a good offseason acquisition for sure. them to eat up minutes and knock down shots. Like sure. I, I am, I am genuinely like excited about what this team looks like. I, I think that 
they're going to be a really, really fun team to watch, if only because of that two-man game that has all of the surrounding pieces that really make sense around those two. I can't quite get to a situation where I think their defense is going to be sound enough to where uh, this this works, unless Mike Brown is uh, a, just defensive a, a god warlock. in a way that, yeah. Maybe he is, yeah. but... It's going to be funny because, like, that's why they hired him, and they're still going to be bad. And it's not going to be his fault. It's just look at that roster. Um, yeah, stay away. Just stay away. This is a mid thirties win, low to mid thirties win team. But like again, same thing with the Blazers. Like, just not a lot of not a lot of spots where you get wins every night in the Western. It, yeah. really in either conference. Like, it's just going to be competitive next year in the NBA. Like, there's just it's the same as last year where there's just not. There's not enough teams that are in full on rebuild right now that like there's like what six teams that are yeah. rebuilding, maybe fewer that are like committed to it. There's probably like four teams that are committed to a rebuild right now in the league. Yeah, like I, I would say Utah, I would say Houston, I would say Oklahoma the Thunder, um Spurs. The Spurs. Indiana. Yeah. Although Indiana's kind kind of thinks that they might not be that bad, but they're 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 gonna be pretty bad. Uh Detroit's gonna be kind of spunky. Yeah. Like they're the magic are gonna be kind of spunky. Magic are gonna be spunky. Franz season. Yeah. We're gonna talk about them later. Yeah. No, so uh, yeah, I think there's probably five, six teams that are but like that's twenty four teams trying. Somebody's gotta lose games that's trying. Yeah. Unfortunately history t- tells us the Sacramento Kings are usually one of those teams. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I genuinely want Sacramento to be good. Like I, I, I really so. do, and and I like I think I that like the trade last year. I mean, like giving up Hallie was a lot, but like I like no, the I, idea I of pairing Fox was... and Sabonis. I, I've litigated that enough on this podcast to where I don't need to do that again. Because um, I'm trying to be positive about the Kings, despite I, you go. saying I'm, I'm under sorry. here. Sorry, um, I don't mean to bring the negativity I, I really, to a safe space. Like I, I genuinely think that this is now like a competently put together roster. I really like the close of the year from Davion Mitchell. I think if this team was like in like 2020s iteration of the NBA, they're probably a playoff team. I just don't know that right now they're a playoff team. Like the the other thing about this year is like, it feels like there's more talent than ever uh, in the NBA. Like this season, particularly Mm -hmm. it feels like, the talent level is just so high across the league. And as much as I like this team, as much as I like uh, and think this is going to be a really fun team to watch and a competently built team, I, at least offensively, I I just don't know what it looks like at the end of the day. Um, I don't know what success looks like here for them. Cause like, even if they do have like a top nine offense, I, I just don't know that I can get to where they're like a top, I don't know where they're getting out of the twenties defensively here. Yeah. 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 And they might, they might win 37 games. Like there's a real possibility. You could could talk me into the Kings being not that far off of the Blazers. If things shake, right. Yeah. But like knocking on the door for the 10 seed. But like we said, that still is usually a 33 to 36 win team. So I'm not trying to lock it up. And that's also like, the higher end of their outcomes is that yep. there are some lower ends that are not good. Yeah. So let's get to the last one. 
And here's the other thing. We'll get to the last one real quick. Yep. If uh, if one of Sabonis or Fox gets hurt, oh, particularly if Sabonis gets hurt, I think they're in some trouble. I know they still have Rashawn Holmes on the roster, but like, I think that they are putting a lot of their offensive viability in the Sabonis basket. And if he's hurt, it becomes a little bit trickier for sure. them, I think. Sure. Um, let's move on to the Utah Jazz. Their over-under is 24 and a half. Look, this this to for full transparency, this number is not on the board with BetMGM. Superbook has it, as Robbie pointed out to me, at 24 and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, for obvious reasons, this number is not on the board because we don't know what this roster is going to look like in a week, potentially, yeah. maybe two weeks, maybe in two months. I don't know. But they're going to make deals. They're going to get rid of some of these veterans on the roster, you would think. And I don't know what they're going to get back for them. I, I here here would be my question. Yep. Do you think this is an over if they keep the current players on the roster? Yes. I agree with you. I, I think this would probably be like a 29 to 32 win team with the current players. Um, I just don't know that I see like Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson and Boyan Bogdanovich like being on this roster long term. Uh, if they like shut down Lowry Marketing in February or something, would that surprise you? No, I would believe anything with this team. I Ainge clearly is he's gunning for it. He wants you know That's the I thing. think I think I think the Jazz and the Spurs are the like we are getting bottom three. Like yeah, those are like, the teams determined those are the only two teams that I truly believe are determined this year. Yeah. To get bottom three. I think everybody else has at least some incentive to try and win a little bit. But like with the moves that those two teams made, it is straight to the bottom. Yeah, and like you can sell yourself three. you can sell yourself on like Lowry Markin and and you know, maybe Colin Sexton is good and mm-hmm. Taylor Horton Tucker is like takes a leap and rebounds. Yeah. Figures out how to play on ball or play figure out how to play off ball, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they get something like semi-useful for Boyan Bogdanovich and Jared Vanderbilt's really good. Like I really like Jared, maybe Simone Fontecchio, who's had a really great Euro basket comes in and like plays well for them from the jump. Like you can sell yourself on this team being more than a 24 win team. Yeah. I just don't think that they want, they want that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't this think is, this, is a stay, this is a stay away. Cause we, again, we just don't know anything. Like there's a reason this is off the board. Um, yeah, and it's because the books don't know anything. Like nobody knows what this right. looks like. Like, I think twenty four and a half is kind of a a punt number from Superbook yeah. um, because, like, it's possible this team should be had the worst win total. Like, there, it's yeah. possible this team should be with San Antonio and the rest. Um, I don't know. Like, again, like there's they have guys they now, and if they wait to make trades. But I don't think they will. I don't think yeah, they like will. If they wait till the yeah. deadline, like they could smoke this and be a 31 team. Yeah. But I don't think that. This is a stay away. This is a pure stay away. Uh, this roster is so in flux. Just don't do anything with it. Okay. Our picks here. Uh, Mavs 
under nuggets over warriors uh we kind of split i think like you were leaning like semi under it felt like but like purely stay away i was over but stay away um rockets over clippers over lakers under grizzlies slightly under uh timberwolves over pelicans split i was under you were slightly over uh thunder i don't know like i I think we were just like kind of right around the number um, yeah, I, w- I didn't want to take an under. I think we leaned over just because like that number's so yeah. low and they got there last year. Suns purely stay away, but I that guess was. lean over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Blazers, Spurs, Kings, Jazz, under. Uh, our ones that we like the most were the Nuggets over 50 and a half, Rockets over 23 and a half, Clippers over 51 and a half, and the Spurs under 23 and a half yes i also like i would i would be willing to put the wolves over on the board like rudy's that good man i thought about that too we kind of stopped talking about the wolves one because oh the uh, our guy guy, yeah yeah recommended that which would be weird because we came in this talking about how we have unders but i think maybe that's more the east Let's let's talk. So, well, it's funny because I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I have nine unders here in the <laughs> West that we just talked about. So, okay. Well, I, I guess we. That. I guess but, I think leans, but like we're locking up more overs than we are unders, yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah, like it's just kind of funny right. that we're like four and one on overs on the locks board. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm probably. I want to wait. I want to wait until we see what we got on the East before okay. we put on the Timberwolves for okay. sure. But okay. We've got an hour 45. Let's end it here. This next one will not be as long because we've got um, no Robert Sarver news to talk about. I yep. would assume, assuming he doesn't resign in the next two hours. Um, this has been the game theory podcast. Please remember rate review, subscribe to everything you can support the show. We will be back uh, probably on Monday with this next podcast with Robbie and I breaking down over unders until next time. We will talk soon. Bye. Bye.